Happy Friday, everybody. For those of you who are tuning in on the day that this is released, welcome to another Amped interview. We're going to start out with just a few admissions before we get too far and before we get to the interview. First thing I want to acknowledge is that though we've branded this as an Amped interview, this was actually, as you'll soon find out, was conducted at Christian Musician Summit Northwest 2015. Uh, it's just a special enough interview that we wanted to share it as an Amped interview. Second, this interview is a bit of an indulgence to me specifically because I really wanted to spend some time talking with Catherine about her upbringing in Ireland amidst the turmoil of the civil unrest in which she grew up. Um, I, I come from an Irish background. Um, and I was very interested to understand really how that uh, impacted the art that she has ultimately created. And third, you're probably going to notice that the interview ends a bit abruptly, and that's because this was probably the 10th or 11th interview I conducted in the course of the day. My MacBook was tired, and about 20 minutes in, it just said, I'm done. And so it ends just before we transitioned into another phase of the interview, but we really covered this the first bit about her upbringing and, and how that impacts music uh, and didn't really how that led her into her music career. So we covered that pretty well. Anyway, the really special interview to me, Catherine's a lovely and gracious person. We think you're really going to enjoy this. And if you're not a fan of Catherine already, I promise you, after listening to her for 20 minutes with her beautiful Irish lilt, you will be a fan of her when we're done. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you at the next interview. Bye. Frequency.fm presents The Amped Interview. Hey guys, it's Joe. And yes, you've heard a lot from me at CMS Northwest, but we're preparing to wrap up. And uh, I'm really blessed because we saved one of our, the best folks for last. We're going to have a great conversation with the, uh, and I know you've heard this before, the lovely and talented <laughs> Catherine Scott. You'll have to talk close to the microphone when we get started because it's one of those people are packing up boxes close to us and um, we're kind of tucked in a corner and having fun. So um, thank you so much for uh, agreeing to spend some time with us, especially after all the work you've done leading up to this point. You're totally welcome. It's a joy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Is that microphone stand too tall for you? Because I know you're a wee little person. I am rather short yeah. in real life. Yep. So she's lowering that. Folks, if you're knocking about, then you understand <laughs> what that is. Can. It might be at its lowest point. Uh, it might be. So we can... Ah, there we go. There we go. We just move it a little bit. So Excuse me. We're not going to edit Sorry. this, folks. So just enjoy what logistics are all <laughs> At least about. You know it's, uh, <laughs> you know it's, it's real. It's not made up. It's happening. <laughs> it's, it's for real. Um, well, I, I want to talk about a couple different things with you since we have the opportunity. Just because I'm personally curious about it, coming from an Irish heritage myself, mm -hmm. uh, and you and I are kind of part of the same generation, understanding yeah. what you're upbringing uh, in Northern Ireland. And, and as I talk to you, I'm going to start working that dialect in, whether I like it or not. Uh, and <laughs> Sorry about that. No, it's just it's what I do. Um, I, just understanding kind of uh, what the political culture, the landscape there, um, how that impact you as a Christian and mm -hmm. as impact you as an artist, is that reflected in some of the work that you do? So, Brilliant. Well, would you like me to start with that? Uh, yeah, why don't we start with that, since I'm not going to say that any more eloquently than I just did. Well, you did say it beautifully. Thank you. Um, well, I was born in 1974, and I think... At that point, the troubles in Northern Ireland had either just started or they were just about to start. Yeah. Um, and actually, all the way through my uh, upbringing there, that was very much on the landscape of Absolutely, our yeah. lives. Um, I don't think that first ceasefire, it didn't come until the early 90s when I was already nearly 20. So 
That I was... really did grow up the whole time in that. Yeah. Um, I think one of the one of the things when you're outside of the context of it that you tend to forget is when you're in the middle of it and you've grown up with it, it feels normal. Sure. It was frightening. Yeah. But it felt normal. Um, my mom and dad were really good at just helping us realize that those were people with guns and they were not representative of either side of the community. Yeah. And in Northern Ireland, great. it was a very definite divide between Protestant and Catholic. Yeah. Um, and so they really, they really helped us to, to really latch on to honor for people, regardless of where they came from. Right. But the reality of growing up in that environment was that our communities were completely segregated. Sure. Our yeah. church, our, our churches obviously were. Yeah. Um, our schools were completely segregated. Wow. So um, I went to, there were, I went to a normal, you know, state school. Yeah. But um, everybody in my school was Protestant. And uh, Catholics in our area went to a very specific Catholic school. The parochial schools. Yes, they did. And um, I had to catch a bus every morning. It was like about a 40-minute drive or something. Wow. And there was this one road where we had to drive down a very Catholic area. And um, our bus would get hit with stones every day. And people were shouting abuse. And the boys in our bus were absolutely no better. They were singing songs that are not disparaging let's say very not good songs um very protestant songs and i remember just sitting in in that i was only 11 at that point and uh feeling really quite frightened yeah because it is quite scary um and just being aware of god's presence with me in the middle of that and also being very aware that i wanted nothing to do with that right that wasn't part of who you were. No, it really wasn't. But that really comes from what your parents are telling you to honor people as individuals. Yes. Does that has that kind of trans uh, translated into as an adult um, different doctrines? People, yes. Uh, because you know we we do tend to get black and white about things, and but you grew up with uh, in a very black and white world. Yeah. But your parents were teaching you to recognize people as individuals. So. Yes, they really were, and I'm so grateful. Um, when I was 17. We moved from, I used to live in a way out in the country outside a, a town called Portadown where there was an awful lot of trouble. And then we moved north when I was uh, 17 to the town I live in now, actually. Yeah. And when we moved, I, I had one more year of school to do and I felt like the Lord said to me to go to a Catholic school. Really? Which was really terrifying. Oh, sure. <laughs> to meet now. This particular Catholic school was mixed. So I wasn't going to be the only Protestant going right. there. Integrated is what they call it. And um, I went along. And that was when I realized that even though I had been brought up with a real real leaning towards honor, it's amazing how stuff just creeps into your heart. But it's also amazing how the Lord will do anything for those who love him and who are absolutely uh, devoted to going his way, he'll just bring up those things. So, you know, sometimes when the Lord's bringing things up in your heart, it's never to shame you. It's always to set you free. And so um, when I went to that Catholic school, the Lord just let me know that I did actually have some prejudice lying around in my yeah. heart uh, as a 17-year-old. And it, he just very gently just washed me clean of it. I left school with a, with a heart um, that was so much softer I had made friends who were Catholics, which I'd never even met Catholics whenever I was growing yeah. up. Um, 
I loved, because I was coming in fresh, there were some aspects to the way they prayed, to the even part of their liturgy and that kind of stuff that I'd find deeply moving because yeah. I know Jesus. So confession here. Yeah. I was raised Catholic. Uh-huh. Um, you know, because Irish background. Yes. It's, it was just part of our family culture. You, you're Catholic, you know? Yes. And uh, uh, really, until I was um, in high school, it never really dawned on me that people were were of other faiths. Yeah. It just didn't, uh, you know, and then I had a friend in high school. I went to a Catholic high school who is a Protestant, and I'm like, mm. I don't even know what that means. You know, so some, <laughs> That's the way it is for my kids now, and I love that. They're, so they're used to the integration at this point. Yes. That's really what you're saying Very there. Very much so, yes. I started to read that as, you mean your, your kids think there's only Catholics no, too? No, no, I'm no. I'm like, no. <laughs> what, what are you teaching your children? No, oh, they're integrated. Yeah. They don't even know what the difference is. And see, to, to me, that's wonderful. And I can see there's some, uh, I know there's been some divides in music Mm-hmm. Where like uh, there's some ostracization of Catholic uh, worship leaders and mu- and yeah. uh, musicians and stuff, and that's becoming less of an issue. I think that people are starting to work that in. And absolutely, I've had a lot of discussions here with some of your fellow artists just about how they're excited to see some further integration in, in doctrine and and uh, some tolerance is the wrong word, but just yeah. understanding that going back to C.S. Lewis, that there's the idea of mere Christianity where we have so much more in common than we yes, have we that's really different. Do. And, um, and it being accepting, like your parents yeah. said, to honor people as individuals. Yeah. You know. And I don't know about you, Joe, but along the way, the Lord has taught me more about who he is. Like my faith today is way more multifaceted than it was when I was 20. Oh, sure, yeah. You know, and I'm hopeful (laughs) that when I'm 60, it's even going to be more. Yeah. And when I'm 80, it's going to be even more. So I think all the time, there's some issues of doctrine, they're just not worth dying in the ditch for. There are other things where we're completely together. Yeah. We believe Jesus is the Son of God. And I would died die for and that. rose again. Do you know what I mean? Yes. I'll, I will die in the ditch for that. Yeah. But for everything else... We don't need to. We're growing. We we get to see through a glass darkly, the same as everybody else. Yes, my uh, my pastor, who's a, uh, one of my best friends, um, introduced me to the four D's of uh-huh. doctrine. Yeah, he said, "There's things you'll die for. There's things that you'll divide for. There's mm-hmm. things you'll debate, and there's things you'll discuss." Yes, and something and everything fits it's in a really bucket good. there. And you kind of have to understand, you know, there's certain doctrinal topics that um, that I don't really want to talk with people about because I know it will be divisive. Yeah, and if we don't need to. Right, but you wouldn't know that from the dialogues that you, yeah. that you see that, that people have. And it's, um, it can be very frustrating because I think that hurts us. And it hurts us in terms, I didn't necessarily mean to get into this topic. but it, No, it's wonderful. But when we start talking to people who are outside the faith and you want to draw them in, we spend so much time throwing rocks at them. Yeah. Uh, over th- and then they see us throwing rocks at each other. And they're like, why yeah. would I want to be a part of that group? Yeah. It's you know? ugly. When you think about the things that Jesus didn't address, you know, like his big topic of the day was um, Herod and uh, John. The John lost his head over right. going for that particular sexual sin yeah. of the day. Jesus never mentioned it. Yeah. He was there with the... He was carrying the culture of another world. He was rewriting the story from a whole nother world, from a whole yeah. nother kingdom. And I just think sometimes when we get caught up in stuff that we shouldn't touch, uh, when actually our hands should be so full of the mission of releasing the kingdom of heaven on the yeah. earth, 
That's when we get into trouble. See, Mark 3.28 is something that resonates with me enormously when topics like that come up because it, you know, it states there is, there is no sin or blasphemy that Christ's grace cannot overcome. Yes. Let's remember that, you know, yes. and it, it, we, it, we get in our own way. We become a bit, you know, we are hypocritical because we're sinners, you know, yeah. anyway, but we get so fixated on certain things that we forget about inviting people in. Yeah, exactly. Um, so awesome. Love, love hearing that. And uh, don't normally record things like this. So I hope you don't mind. You know. <laughs> I don't mind at all. Yeah, it's very good. Um, but so just to kind of stay on that topic a little bit uh, about you and growing up where you did, when did you start getting into art and uh, music and, um, and what did you bring with you? I mean, like you had the Catholic liturgy that you kind of learned in that, yeah. which I think is beautiful. Yes. Is that something that you brought in with you a bit or what kind of influenced you uh, as uh, you were starting in? I started, I actually started really young. Yeah. So I started playing the piano when I was five. Wow. And well, I, you could barely I, move your hands across the keys. Exactly. Yeah. I can barely you move can do them it now. They're tiny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we, I grew up in a home where my mum wrote songs for um, that special music part of evangelistic meetings. Yeah. They were traveling around the UK every summer with an evangelist called Dick Saunders. And um, so I've sung for as long as I can remember. I started writing songs when I was nine. Yeah. It just seemed very natural and normal to me because my mum did it. Right, I just thought right. that's You're, what everybody did. She modeled did. it for you, yeah. Exactly. Um, I started leading worship, uh, actually not until I went to college. I started getting involved in worship teams when I was 16. Okay. Um, and then that's, it was about a year after that that we moved up to, Nor- to uh, Port Stewart. And I think it was, I started leading worship when I was around about 19 or thereabouts. And I think um, I think you bring, even subconsciously, you bring all of the things that the Lord is teaching you along the way into the way that you lead, yeah. into the heart that you lead with. Sometimes it's very conscious decisions, like letting go of things that are actually not all that useful. Yeah. Um, or really, really fighting for honor, for things that, are, that desperately matter. That's the conscious part. But a lot of the other stuff, I think, just starts to come out without you really thinking about it. You've set your direction and you've opened your heart towards the Lord in a particular way. And then he he sings through you in a different way, I think, because of those things. Something that what I hear from you right there is, you know, we, we transition as individuals as, as we're growing and we change and we're using what we have at that moment. We also have to give ourselves grace as we look back at that person yeah, and go... True. Yeah, wow, I, I, I did that, and um, but that's where I was at. And we speak to people in our journey at that time in the way that God needs us to. Yes. It's, it's um, reassuring to know that he's going to use us as oh, we yeah. are, as frail as we are, in transition. And, yes, uh, he will. He's cool. so good. So when did you uh, start working with... Um, with Brian Dirksen and company. That was in 97 or 98. So 23? I, yes. Okay. I was little. Yeah, you were. Yeah, yeah. And um, I just remember Brian had come over from Canada. He was going to train worship leaders in the vineyard. He got us all to videotape our, our worship yeah. on a Sunday morning. You remember those big clunky video sets? Yes. And yeah. uh, that was the third time I'd led worship in church. Whoa. And it was pretty interesting. <laughs> but I don't know. I think I know it was the Lord. Frank saw something because that video was awful. Really, I'm not being humble. I mean, it was awful. Okay. And he just saw something. And What was awful us. about it? 
Um, it was awful because the guy taking the video was way more interested in the way it looked than the way it sounded. So he ah, would he'd yeah, go yeah. stand in one position for like half a verse, switch it off, move to move to another part of the room, get a different shot, switch it on halfway through okay. the end of the course. It so was it was awful. awful wasn't your performance. Well, it, I don't uh, think I did all that Give well yourself either, some but... grace. We just talked about that. <laughs> True. Right? True. But it wasn't a great video, that's for sure. Uh, I mean, I, I, I remember cutting demos myself that I had on a little four-track right thing on a cassette. And I was so proud of those. And they are so, so, so bad. <laughs> so uh, just uh, terrifyingly awful, you know. But I also, I was early 20s. I was just trying to figure out what I was doing and what yeah. my voice was. And and so You've I got to learn. Yeah, I mean, I look at I look at little Joey, you know, and I kind of go, "It's okay. I know yes. you were lonely. <laughs> you know, yes. you only knew four <laughs> chords. It's just the way that it works, you know." You've got to start somewhere. None of us end up where we are in any kind of way that is useful to people without the early yes. try and try and try and failing, it failing, out. failing, failing, failing. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Well, you know, one of my favorite stories that Brian tells is. Uh, and uh, Britain tells the same story about uh -huh. that one line in Humble King that... Oh, my goodness. Do you know that story about... Yes, you, I was there. I know you were there. I just wasn't <laughs> sure how big a deal it was at the time. But I, It was I, a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I went to a songwriting thing here that Brian taught, and he uh -huh. told the story. And then I was at a deal, and Brent and I were talking and brought it up, and he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm just, I just wanted to kind of complete the trifecta there. But yeah. I mean, I think that's interesting the way that it speaks to... Um, uh, how important doctrine was uh, in that environment. And yeah. sometimes it's tough to reinforce that in our environment right now where there's so much content coming through and yeah. there's not necessarily a police officer because that's the way no. I kind of think about Brian, you know. <laughs> and I think I probably would have been scared. I think uh, of him more as a dad. Yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, well, some of the things that he's written I appreciate so much more as I understand where he was writing them. Come now is the time yeah. to worship. I used to not like that song. Brian doesn't yeah. listen to our podcast, so we're safe. <laughs> um, because I just felt like it was um, pandering. I'm like, yeah. oh, you just wrote that so people would play to church. And then not understanding the where he was in that valley yeah. and why now is the right time to worship. I'm like, oh. It so, changes everything, doesn't it? It does. It's huge. And when I introduce songs to the church, I make sure I try to understand where the artist was this, yes. and to say, this is where, you know, so-and-so was when they were writing it. This is what it means. So that they don't reject the song, you know, when they call them, some, people in my church call them 7-Elevens. I don't know if you heard that term. Yeah, no, I Seven haven't. words, 11 times in a row, you know, like over and over again. <laughs> yeah. You know, and they're like, oh, we want to sing hymns. We don't want those 7-Eleven songs. But I'm like, well, let me explain some context about how the song was written. And then the, it changes the yeah, way you it sing it and, uh, and what you put into it. So yeah, I think that's important. Thank you for listening to me spout. Um, that's lovely. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Frequency.fm is a podcast featuring Christian artists, authors, creatives, and experts. For more music reviews, book reviews, and articles, please visit us at Frequency.fm.